Well, you might remember last year we were working our way through the book of Genesis. Uh, I don't expect you to remember stuff that far back, but anyone know what chapter we're starting back on today? Yes! Okay, you know, where you're like, does anyone remember anything? That's, that's encouraging right there. That's what you want to hear. You know what chapter we're on. So yeah, find your way over to chapter 5 uh, of Genesis. Um, and as a reminder, right, I know we probably need a little bit of catch up here, right? Chapter 4 was, um, we're seeing it, it chronicled the, the start of the, the ethical and spiritual downward spiral of humanity in a sense, right? It, it began with, with Cain murdering his, his brother, his little brother, uh, only to remain absolutely defiant when the Lord confronted him on this. Uh, and if you remember, part of that consequence was that God sent Cain east of Eden to be a wanderer, someone who wanders the land, and, uh, and there the, the spiral of depravity just continued. As Cain defiantly decided he would not be a wanderer, but he would build a city, establish a city. Uh, and his great, great, I had to write down, and his great, great grandson, Lamech, right, against God's design for marriage. Remember, he took two wives, uh, thus he invented polygamy, not a real good invention. Uh, and the children of those relationships developed culture, we might say, right? Some of it really good and in line with the creation mandate, or at least on the surface of it, uh, right? We saw ranching and we saw musical instruments and thus music. We saw tools. Uh, and then Lamech's story ends with him singing this, this violent, unjust, and prideful song. Uh, and so that's where his story ends, and the line of Cain kind of ends there, uh, at least for now. Uh, but the chapter ended with this spark of hope when we are reminded, right, that God granted to Adam, granted to Eve, another son, and they named the second son, or the third son, rather, Seth. Uh, and, and the people of that line, we are told, they begin to call on the name of the Lord. They begin to worship God. <clears throat> and so what we're seeing here, right, even from the start, right there, we see that, that the gospel promise of Genesis 3.15 is alive and well in the line of Seth, and we'll see that. Now, I know we haven't read the passage yet, this will make more sense to you in a minute, but let me just prepare you, because we did it on Christmas, or Christmas Eve rather, right, that uh, it's another genealogy list. It's the begots that you are growing to love. I know you love them. Um, next time someone's preaching like Jeremy or Zach or something, maybe I'll just have you just, we'll just go through the begots, right, a whole series of begots to see what we can get. Anyway, um, <clears throat> today's begot list, or genealogy list, is, is really a treat for you. You're going to love it, because... Uh, there are 25 other genealogies in the scriptures, but the one that we're looking at today is, it is unique. Uh, there is something that occurs here exclusively here and only here in our genealogy today. I said on it, like selling it really well, right? Uh, call now. Uh, now, in, admittedly, the feature here is, is rather depressing, right? Because here's what it is. It is this constant refrain of death that comes in like this legato drumbeat, right? And he died, and he died, and he died. And we're going to see that over and over and over again. And the other ones just talk about life and, and move on. Um, but, you know, this is, this is good. The Lord is going to use this passage for your good. And you can trust that. Uh, so let's, let's just read it. Follow along. And I really challenge you to follow along with your eyes. Because there is the potential here for you to be like, Ah, oh, begots. I'll catch up at the end when it stops being begots. <clears throat> All right. So Genesis 5, chap, no, Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he named them man uh, when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. 
The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Adam, Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived, uh, lived 70 years, he fathered Mehalalel. Uh, Kenan, after he fathered Mehalalel, 840 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 30 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Uh, Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our works and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 565 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years. And he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Jesseth. The grass withers, the flower fades. <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as, as we return to your word in the book of Genesis, please draw us back into the story of redemption, this history of redemption. Draw us into the patterns of this passage, to the details in particular lives. Draw us into your word by by stirring our affections for you, by enlightening our minds for this purpose. And show us this morning how these words from the generation of Adam teach us how to live our lives in Manhattan, Kansas in 2024. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> all right. So you remember all the way back, right? You remember back to, to when we stopped here in the you know, middle of uh, of December. Do you also remember all the way back to the introduction as we began uh, last semester or last uh, fall, right? Because I, I told you then that, that Genesis breaks down into these 10 sections, right? All of them beginning with this, this word, the generations of someone or so on, right? And uh, the first one showed up back in Genesis 2-4, if you remember, right? These are the generations of the heavens and the earth. And it covered everything that, that flowed out of creation right there in the early bit. Uh, now, verse 1 in chapter 5 today, this marks the second one of those generational things. So if you write in your Bible and you like to do that, go ahead and mark it right here. Here we are into the second section. Um, and, and you see it there because this is the book of the generations of, of Adam. And, and we're going to see the next one in, in a few verses in the chapter 6. Now, the, the generation of Adam here, right, covers the godly line that flows from Adam through Seth. <clears throat> and it's, it's not always the case you see here when we come to these genealogies, but, but it's very common when we look at biblical genealogies that they're often grouped into groups of seven and groups of ten. 
right? In chapter 11, we're going to see another genealogy. So mark your calendars. I know you love them. Uh, that's going to be a 10-person genealogy. Uh, Ruth, chapter 4, right? The, the genealogy of David there. It's a 10-name genealogy. In chapter 5, uh, we look, when we looked at Cain's genealogy, we saw that there was a seven-name genealogy. Uh, and in the case of Cain, if you remember, when we get to the end of it, it, it actually splits into these three sons, right? Those confusingly named fellas, uh, uh, Jubal, Jubal, and Tubal. Uh, you know, Tubal Cain, technically. Now, this lineage here, through Adam today, it includes ten names. It includes ten generations. And this one also, just like Cain's, actually is going to split into three names we see at the end, right? The, the far better named uh, sons here, Shem, Ham, and Jephath who I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing, right? Uh, but there is some debate here among Reformed theologians as to whether everyone in this genealogy, is, is this the full genealogy or not? Are there other names that are, that are left out just, just for stylistic parts here uh, or, or, or to highlight a few names of them? You know, in, in other words, is this a compressed genealogy or the entire genealogy? Uh, and, and don't let that bother you anyway, though, right? We, we know that the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1 intentionally skips a few names. It's not an accident. It's on purpose. Uh, and, and you might wonder, though, why, why does any of this matter? Well, um, it really comes down to uh, an issue that's more modern of a, regarding Usher, right? You know Usher, not performing in the Super Bowl Usher, but uh, a different Usher by the name of Bishop Usher, who in the 1600s famously calculated all the numbers of Genesis here. He did the math, right? And he came to this absolute declaration where he says, the world was created in 4004 BC. And that became kind of this, this assumption that that's what it is. And he might absolutely be right. He could be, right? Uh, but the structure of these genealogies don't require that we affirm Usher's uh, number here. You, you can certainly affirm the inerrancy of Scripture and disagree with Usher on, on this date that he comes out to, right? You can disagree with both Ushers, in fact, uh, and still hold on to inerrancy. What you really need to know right here, though, is that these are very real historical people who actually lived, okay? Now, let's jump into the text itself. You've got it in front of you. <clears throat> Notice the first two verses here. Uh, they're this echo. Like, a part of you is like, we've already heard this. We've seen this. It seems redundant, right? It's this, this summary of the creation story again, the creation story that we explained or we explored in great detail in, in, in the earlier chapters of Genesis. Now, the creation here is, is intentionally restated, not because they're thinking, oh, you probably forgot about this after a few chapters. It's restated here so that we know for sure that the fall of Adam and Eve has not destroyed this mind-blowing reality that we are still made in the image of God, right? Because after the fall, you have that wonder, like, well, maybe we were, but are we still, right? It's certainly true that we, are, that we are now born with a sinful nature, right? The image of God is certainly distorted, but it is not removed. It is not gone. You see, unlike animals, we can still hear and believe and understand God's word. We also have souls. That the mandates that are given at creation are still our responsibility, right? Subdue the earth, be fruitful. And, and, and of course, the fact that you are made in the image of God means that you, right? You, unlike deer, unlike armadillos and houseplants, you can have an intimate relationship with God. You are made in the image of God. Now, I feel compelled to, to mention this here in the passage just because uh, <clears throat> I had this weird experience while driving today, this week. Uh, I was driving uh, my daughter, Sadie Piper, and some of her friends home from a K-State game uh, this week, and one of the girls was, was lamenting. And maybe you, if you lived in this town, you probably heard this before. She was uh, lamenting the fact that, that K-State has this anachronism, right? E-M-A-W, every man a wildcat's what it stands for. And, and, and it was that, why does that exclude women, right? 
And, and so she had this, this idea, you probably heard this too, wanted to be Ewa, uh, every woman a wildcat. And she's like, but it never catches on. Uh, and I was like, yeah, probably not going to. Um, now, I, I spared her, you know, the dad speech from the front you know, chair, whatever, but, uh, but I wanted to tell her, listen, go read Genesis 5-2. Look at this. It says, and look at it. You got it in front of you. Male and female, God created them, and he blessed them, and he named them man, right? Both of them are coming under this title of man here. Man can mean male. It absolutely can, but it also, it, it can mean this more broadly all of mankind, humanity, right? And I say that, so women, Ema includes you, right? A lot of times when you see this, you're going to know it. It includes you. It's just a general term. That's okay. Uh, God says it right here in Genesis 5-2. You're included in Ema. All right. Now, that out of the way, uh, this brings us to the beginning of this repeating pattern that we're going to see this entire passage here, right? Uh, there's a, a guy lives for so many years, and then he has a son, and then he lives for more years, and he has more sons and daughters, and, and then there's math, uh, and then we're told the total years of his life, because they assume we can't do the math, uh, and then the drumbeat is here, right? He died, he died, he died, he died. And, and along the way, there's three people that get really single, singled out in here, and those are the ones we'll focus on today. Uh, there's Noah at the very end, there's, there's Enoch in the middle, and right here at the very start is, is Adam. <clears throat> and, and here we're told uh, that Seth is born in the image of of Adam, right? Which, which includes the image of God. Don't think that's, that's in contrast as if, well, he's in the image of Adam, not God. <clears throat> it's still the image of God, but, but the point here is, is he's trying to get you to understand is to signify that Seth is not like Cain. This is going to go different, right? There, there is hope in this new son that it's not just going to go the same way that it went before with Cain. And, and, and of course, Adam had, you know, many more sons and daughters, and we, we see that here. They all do, and, and for you and I, it's incredibly creepy and taboo, right? But you realize they, they ended up marrying each other later, not creepy and taboo for them. Uh, and, and then we learn that Adam lived a total of 930 years. He was still having children at 130 years old, which you and I, we hear that, and that sounds absolutely crazy. That seems too old. I'm, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I think that's too old. Uh, and, and you begin to think, well, this is the bluest blue zone that's ever blued in the, in the history of the world. And I, I know, right, your modern mind reads this and you just think, that sounds like a fairy tale. Something's wrong here. Maybe the first number is not supposed to be there, right? But try to consider the situation. You, you and I want to look at it in the world that we currently live in, in the state that it's in, in the state of everything, right? But <clears throat> maybe cancer didn't exist yet, right? Maybe, may, maybe they were genetically pure at this point without, without all sorts of things that can go wrong. Maybe viruses and, and disease weren't prevalent. Uh, maybe the ozone protected them from the sun. You know, certainly they ate healthier, right? So less heart disease probably. Maybe God just granted their long lives because there were so few of them and, and they needed to be fruitful and populate the earth. And this seemed like a good way to accomplish that. I don't know for sure, right? But, but when we see that, you, 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 you've got to believe it. Don't, don't try to think of it in our terms of what things are currently. Um, now, with so many of them having children over the age of 100, right, they're, you know, being 100 for this generation is certainly not the diminished health that is expected when we see someone over 100 today, right? We age at a different rate. I mean, even myself, I, you know, I used to be able to play basketball and not got hurt, but I, I watched basketball this week and somehow hurt my back. I don't know how it happened. The older I get, it's, you can go to bed at night and wake up with injuries and have no idea where they came from. That's young people. See, this is what you have to look forward to, old um, now, you know, you might even say that, you know, to 40 is the old 400 in some sense here, right? 
Now, with such long lives going on here, all their lives began to overlap in ways that you and I can't even fathom. Now, I had to, to do the math and, and work this all out only for, for Rob on Saturday night to send me this wonderful chart that actually shows me everything and the way everyone's lives overlap. Uh, maybe send it on Tuesday, not Saturday night. <clears throat> you know, but here it is. Here's what we're learning here. Like Methuselah, right, Adam's great, 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 great grandson would have heard about the Garden of Eden firsthand from Adam. Firsthand, all those years later. That, that would be like your great, 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 great grandfather as you gather around the table at Thanksgiving, right, telling you about what it was like to meet Genghis Khan, right, or what it was like to hang out with the Aztecs, to, to put it back in that same kind of, someone be able to tell you something that long ago, you know. Uh, and and it's, it's bizarre because we don't get to hear stories firsthand very much, right? I, I got to hear about some of the wars from my grandfather. I guess my great-great-grandchildren, I might tell them about what it was like to get a tape from Blockbuster. But, you know, these things don't travel that, that kind of distance. It, anyway, in verse 5 here, the promise of God from Genesis 2.16 is, is fully fulfilled. Remember that you will die. Um, now, remember, right? Oh, here it is. So, just to remind you, it said, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and even you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Or as Romans, you know, Paul in Romans 5, you know, the death spread to all. Right? We, we, we see this... In that list, right, you're finally starting to see it. All that delay, and suddenly we're seeing, and he died, and he died, and he died, right? And, and we know the consequence of that first sin. We know it all too well today, right? On, on average, in the United States alone, just during the time of this worship service, assuming I don't go too long, um, about 500 people in the United States will die during that time. Globally, in the 24 hours of this day, about 150,000 people are going to die today. And you say, why? Well, there's, there's lots of reasons, right? There's accidents, there's disease, there's, there's all kinds of things. But, but ultimately, it comes back to this reality that, that sin has infected the world, entered through the sin of Adam. So, so that's what we're dealing with. Now, as our passage continues, we, we see death over and over again. If you want to scan through it, you can, right? Seth lived, and then he died. Enosh lived, and then he died. Kenan lived, and then he died. Mehalael lived and then he died. Jared lived and then he died. But then something unexpected happens when we get to Enoch. Right? The pattern here is disrupted. Verse 23. Have a look. You got it open, right? Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And now it should say, and he died. That's the pattern. Uh, but it doesn't say, and he died, does it? Right? Verse 24. Right after that, what do you see? Not death. It says, Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Now it's interesting that um, in Cain's line, the seventh person was, was Lamech, right? The, the evil, wicked descendant, and he's, he's singled out for all of his wickedness. But, but here in Seth's line, the seventh person is Enoch, who, who is singled out for, for what's it say? Quite the opposite of wickedness. Enoch walked with God. Lamech and Enoch are placed in this this eternal antithesis of, of one another here. Now, um, I expect when you read this, you, you, you kind of want to know real quick, okay, so what's it mean to walk with God, right? Do we mean it like Adam walked with God? Is that what we're talking about here? What, what do we think of this image of walking with God in general in the scriptures, right? The, the, the image of walking is found throughout the scriptures, right? We're, we're called to walk with God and uh, in that life-guiding statement of Micah 6, 8, right? He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require you but to do justice and to love kindness and, what's it say? To walk humbly with your God, right? 
along with other passages, right? Uh, there's a lot of Psalms do, but Psalm 128.1 ties obedience to walking in God's ways, right? Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Uh, Ephesians 4.1, Paul urges us saying, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In the Old Testament, God uh, at times has called, called some to walk after him. At other times, he calls his people to walk before him. But, but here, it is, it is distinct that Enoch walks not before and not after God, but walks with God. The only other person in Scripture, right, besides Adam, uh, that we're told explicitly walked with God is, is Noah. And we'll see that next chapter, uh, Genesis 6-9, right? And there, Noah is also described as being blameless and being righteous, as if those are somehow tied into that. And, and so, yes, there is this idea of obedience to God tied to this idea of walking with God, but at the very heart, right, that is not what it means to walk with God. Obedience is only the fruit of someone who has been walking with God, the result of it. In fact, the Hebrew verb for walked here implies this deep, intimate closeness with God, this walking with Him. And Christian, really, you know, Deep down, this is what you long for. It's what you desire, right, in your own relationship with God, this, this closeness with God, I, I think, isn't it? <clears throat> you see, the, the, the physical, the, the literal act of walking with someone illustrates this sort of closeness. When we see these, these metaphors in Scripture, right, they're, they're supposed to draw us into them that way, right? You, you, you ever go on a long walk, a long hike with someone? Right, you go beside them. Laura and I actually walk a lot together now that I'm old and don't run as much. Um, and, 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 and we do it a lot, right? Be, because I like her company and I think she likes my company or doesn't know how to get out of it. Um, so we walk together, right? We, we, and, and to do this, you begin to realize we, we have to go the same direction together, right? We, we have to follow the same path that we're not really walking together, right? We, uh, we, we take the same tur turns. We, we step over the same puddle along the way, and uh, along the way, there's this intimacy in the conversation that occurs. You see, symbolically, walking with God has come to mean that we, we walk not our own path, but, but God's path and the company of God. We converse with God, speaking to Him in prayer and listening to Him and in, in, in His Word revealed to us. And, and, and in this closeness with the God, we, we begin to, to know him more. We begin to know his, his love for us more and more. We begin to love him more, to, to go his way more, to follow in obedience which flows from the, the Holy Spirit and flows from the gift of, uh, of faith that God gives us. In fact, in, in Hebrews 11.5, Enoch is an example of a, of a man who lived by by living faith in God. And, and in that same verse, right, in Hebrews, we are, we are told before Enoch was taken, he, he was commended as having pleased God. Right, what is it that pleased God? And in, in other words, as you explore that Hebrews 11, you begin to see, well, well Enoch believed in God. With, with all his heart, he believed in God and he, and he sought out not worldly success, not riches, not fame, not, not comfort, not entertainment, right, but, but he sought out intimacy with God and and that's what he received. You see, today God is pleased when, when you wholly believe in him. When you put your faith in Jesus. When, when you believe what his word says about him. When you find comfort and rest in him. When, when, you, when you dig into the scriptures and you believe what it says about not only God, but, but you as well. Now this metaphor of walking is, is about all of life. And this doesn't mean... Um, that Enoch was without sin, right? That's not what we're to assume here. Enoch was like you and me. He, 
Uh, he was saved by grace through faith. He was saved by a faith that was looking forward to the cross, to the promise of Christ. Uh, Matthew Henry summarized walking with God when he, when he writes it this. It's beautiful. Um, so you don't reword something like this. You just read it. It says, um, it is to make God's word our rule and his glory our end. In all our actions, it is to make it our constant care and endeavor in everything to please God and in nothing to offend God. And you're familiar with uh, a guy in history named Brother Lawrence. He was a Carmelite monk in the 17th century. He's uh, known for this idea of practicing the presence of God. And it might seem incredibly strange to you, maybe even crazy on some level, but throughout the day he was so incredibly mindfully aware of God's omniscient presence uh, that he spoke with God constantly, often actually out loud to God. You know, while preparing dinner for the rest of the monks or whoever their guests were, he would be speaking to the Lord about his day, about his thoughts, about ideas, about scripture, right? You know, while he's walking the town, he's talking to God, little ongoing small prayers all day long, which is very different than most of our prayer lives, if we're honest, right? I, I, I'll tell you, I tend to pray in the morning. There's a time set apart for prayer. I tend to pray before meals. I tend to, to pray for someone right after they have shared a request for me to pray for them. But, but what a different mindset, and I think a better one here, to converse with God as though, he, you know, I were literally walking through my day with God. Because, well, one, I literally am walking through my day with God. And I encourage you to try some version of this. You can, you can speak to the Lord silently in your head, right, if you don't want to be locked up at work. Um, you know, if you don't want to really scare people that way. But in the, even in, you know, privacy, maybe even speak out loud to the Lord. There is something that cements just the realness of, of God when we do that. Right? Go on a walk with God. Um, so then, what, what are we to make here of, of Enoch not dying? Are we even sure that he didn't die? Or, you know, maybe this is just a weird way of wording he died, right? Well, you see that same verse in Hebrews 11 from before, it removes any question of what happens to Enoch here when it says this, uh, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, right? Indeed, he did not die. And again, the, maybe I didn't mention this yet, but the only other instance of someone being spared death in Scripture is the prophet Elijah, 2 Kings chapter 2, if you want to go read about that. Uh, it's the only other person. And, and so this certainly here feels like an exception to the promised consequence of Genesis 2.17, doesn't it? Or, or to Paul's declaration in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Except for here's Enoch, who is clearly a sinner, and he doesn't die. Why? Why? Is this an exception, or is it not an exception? Well, <clears throat> the short answer is, it's not an exception. And here's why, because of Jesus. Because of the cross, right? Because of the empty tomb, because of the ascension, right? When, when, when Jesus in our, our future, right, even thinking about currently our future, right, triumphantly returns, many believers at that time are going to be spared death too, Right? And they don't have to experience death because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, because he did, right? It's the same for Enoch, only his faith is looking forward, and those of, you know, who are alive at the return of Christ are going to be looking backwards to the cross, or are looking backwards to the, Christ, the cross. So, so why have so many other believers throughout history experienced death? Why, why have we had to watch the people that we love and care for die, sometimes in incredibly painful and sorrowful ways, right? Why is it that most of us are going to experience death uh, our own, right? Probably all of us, unless the Lord returns. And I admit, I spent uh, a great deal of time in preparation trying to find an answer to that question. Like, why, why don't we all just get skipping death? And, and I could give you a lot of conjecture, some of it pretty convincing one way or another, but the truth is the, the Lord hasn't clearly revealed his reasons in the scripture. 
And part of that is that we trust the Lord, right? Romans 8, 28. We know there's good reason for this. We can trust that. <clears throat> the other thing to see here <clears throat> is there's no promise in our passage that if you walk with God, right? If tomorrow suddenly your whole life changes and you walk with God with the intimacy and the closeness that we see Enoch walking with God here, that you too are going to be spared death. There's no promise here. After all, Noah, right? Just a chapter later, we are told, walked with God. Noah's going to experience death himself. But, but history has shown us that those who have walked most closely, those who have walked most intimately with God, they, they have faced death with far less fear and, and a, a whole lot more comfort. For, for they have deeply known that the, this death will bring them into deeper, truer intimacy with God in the life to come. Now before we go on, did you, did you notice in this, up to this point, have you noticed the legacy of Cain's line in chapter 4. If you remember, it was this cultural development. And I know, right? You're into music. You're like, oh, that's awesome. He invented instruments. That's really cool, right? Or ranching, whatever it might be, right? Which is all great, right? But, they, but you also got to remember they, they invented weapons, right? And violence and pride and polygamy and a lot of things not so great. Um, and and I, I mentioned that because you see this contrast between the legacy of Cain's line and the legacy of Seth's line here because we don't get all the cultural stuff here. It's kind of, they seem lame on some level, right? Uh, because what's the legacy of Seth's line in chapter 5? It's not culture. This is a list of people to whom the love of God has been passed down from generation to generation. There are, are many worthwhile contributions your life can accomplish for the good of the culture, the good of the world, and there's value in that. Don't hear me saying there's not. There is value in that. That is good and wonderful. But of far greater significance than all that is the simple testimony of your faith in Jesus. In other words, that you love the Lord your God. That, that you help others grow in, in their knowledge and in, in their love for the Lord your God too. And I say that, I, I don't mean massive numbers. I think we always jump to that. You don't have to start some, some big movement, right? It's nothing like that. What I mean here is I, I mean the people that God has put into your orbit. Your children, your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates. Some guy on the street that you just happen to strike up a conversation Right? Make it your aim to, to walk with God, to know his love, to love him deeply, and to help a few others do the same. That is a life well lived. Now then, Enoch never died. Uh, but he did have children, didn't he? He had children before he didn't die. Uh, and his firstborn son has uh, become a way to call someone incredibly old. Uh, I asked my daughter this morning. She doesn't know this. Thankfully, I probably would have been called this a few times. You are older than Methuselah. You ever heard that phrase? Right? Um, this is because Methuselah is the oldest recorded age in the history of the world. Right? He lived to 969 years, which is, you know, only, what, eight years ahead of Jared, right? If Jared had lived another eight years, we'd all be saying, Dad, you're as old as Jared, which doesn't sound right. Uh, anyway, 969 years, that's a lot of years. Again, to put this in perspective, right, uh, for you to be 969 years old, you'd have needed to be born in the year 1055. That's a very long time to live in a world under the curse of sin. It just is, right? I hear that in first, I'm like, that sounds awesome. And before long, you're like, I don't know if that sounds awesome. Uh, that's a long time to be in a sinful world. Now, now, now maybe it was a blessing of God that, that, that after the flood, right, life, lifespans became shorter, typically in the hundreds. Uh, and then later, right, in Psalm 90, we learn that life expectancy is closer to 70 or 80 years, like we generally see as an average today. 
So with Methuselah, though, the, the grim pattern, it wasn't like it, it, it just ended with Enoch, and, and now we're on this new pattern, right, of, uh, and, and, and someone didn't die, right? It, the, the grim pattern is back, right? Uh, life, children, death. Life, children, death. Life, children, death. Uh, Methuselah then, you know, names his first son Lamech. Yes, that's the same name as Cain's wicked descendant. But don't, don't get all down on him, right? The same name doesn't imply the same way of life or the same life at all. Expect there's probably in the world some guys named Adolf who are pretty decent people, uh, despite sharing a name with Hitler. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, we really don't know much about Lamech at all here, right? He, he didn't live long, just a paltry 777 years, uh, not like most of his relatives. What we, what we do know is that Lamech is the father of Noah, who after Adam and, and, and Enoch is the third person that we see, you know, um, singled out here in this passage, uh, such that we are told why, why Lamech named his son Noah. Look at verse 29. For out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. In fact, Noah's name literally means rest, right? You see, Lamech trusts that God will provide rest for his people. And it's going to come through this line. And this is incredibly significant because one of Noah's sons, Shem, right, the, the oldest born, you know, uh, he's the line that becomes Israel. He, he's the line that provides the promised seed of deliverance, the, the serpent crusher, the, the Christ, right? Of course, I'm talking about Jesus, our Savior here. Now, now listen, we... You know, the world that we live in is, is beautiful. It is. You can go out there, you can explore it, you see it's beautiful, you see the way people will care for each other at times. There's so much beautiful things we see in this world, but it, it is also filled with uh, so much suffering and sorrow. War and poverty, right? People are sinful and broken re relationally, sexually, spiritually. There, there is absolute moral decay all around us. And, and you just know it from our own experience in this world. You see, you and I live in a sin-stained world where, where that drumbeat continues, and we know it so well, right? Birth, life, death, birth, life, death, birth, life, death. But when Jesus comes, something atypical happens, something unprecedented, something even better than Enoch, right? Something incredibly remarkable occurs here because Jesus disrupts the pattern in a whole new way. He, he changes the beat. With, with Jesus, it's not birth, life, death. It's birth, life, death, life. Or it's a whole different rhythm or beat, whatever the right musical term is, right? So, you know, he's born to Mary, life in Israel, death on the cross, and life again, life eternal at the resurrection, that's Jesus. But what about us? Right? Can you also change the beat? In other words, death is still inevitable for you and I. That's the expectant reality of our life today. And after death comes judgment. Right? And the only way for us to break the pattern of birth, life, death is to walk with God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in faith. In other words, to know Jesus intimately by faith. I think the question we have here, though, is do, do you want to walk with God? Right? Do you, do you really? Glenn Schreibner puts this beautifully. He says, uh, he says this means a companionable jury, journey. Shoulder to shoulder with the God who made us. The same God who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. The same God who walked with Noah in Genesis 6. The same God who walked among us as man and, and defeated death on our behalf. Walk with Christ, and he will walk you through death. In John eleven twenty five, 
there's a woman named Martha there, and she is mourning the death of her brother, one she believed Jesus could have prevented. And as Jesus is, is comforter, he says these words, and, and sometimes hearing them a little out of the context we're used to them really, really brings them to light. He says, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. In other words, the call of Jesus is to come and rest in the love of God. To come and walk with him. To walk through life. Yes, even for you who have believed in Jesus for years and years. Right? I know sometimes we're able to push this off. Be like, I already believe in God. Right? I already trust in Jesus, right? But maybe, maybe you need to, again, more deeply consider, right? The, what, what is your answer to this implied question that's right here, right? You know, this, uh, of God. Will you walk with me? Not just trust in me in some intellectual way, but will you walk with me? That means time in his words. That means seeking. What, is, what does it mean for me in 2024 to live in the way you call me to? To walk the path that you're walking so that when I go, I go with you. You know this repeated phrase that I keep going over and over again, and he died, 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 right? Listen, that does not have to be the last word of your life. If you walk with Jesus, right, you walk with Jesus and, and, and his words and um, John 14, 19, and this is where we, where we close here. I just want to close with these words, right? This will be true for you if you walk with Jesus. He says, because I live, you also will live. Let's pray. <clears throat> Yahweh Elohim, Lord God, you, you know we want to be like Enoch. We want to be people who truly walk with you who sing your praises, who, who love you, who, who believe in you, who obey your word. We want to relate to you in a way that seems real and near and intimate. We long for that. But we also want to spend our days on social media, binging on news, binging on entertainment, lusting, complaining about all manner of things. In all honesty, we, we also want to walk with the world. We also want to walk alone and follow our own path. Heavenly Father, please grant that our, our deeper, our Holy Spirit-given desires would, would win out. Teach us bit by bit, day by day, to walk with you in nearness of heart. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.